I guess it's hard to go through this time of the year and not think about Advent. But what do you think about during Advent? Do you focus on the excited anticipation? The second coming? I mean, Jesus is not going to be born again. He was already born 2,000 years ago. So, is it a time for cleaning house? For preparing for the coming of a special guest? I guess that's why Advent is a penitential time. That's why we wear purple. But it's different than Lent. In Advent, we are cleaning house. It is a time to remember that we should always be preparing to receive Christ. We need to declutter, take out the trash. That's why parishes all over have more opportunities for confession and even reconciliation services during Advent. It's also a good time to start thinking about how we are living day to day. What did I do today? Who did I speak with? What did I say? This is something that we should be doing every day. St. Ignatius calls it the examine because every day we should examine our lives. So here's the challenge. Starting tonight, take 10 minutes, not a long time, collect your thoughts, thank God for the blessings of the day. Then ask Him to send you His light so that you may see and love the day as He sees it and loves it. Then go through your day. What did I do? What did I say? Look for moments of selfishness and moments of selflessness. Look for moments when Jesus came to you in your life today. Then thank Him for those moments of selflessness and for coming to your life. Then ask Him for forgiveness for the moments of selfishness and for the times that you did not recognize Him. Then ask for the grace that you need so that you can be better tomorrow. And if need be, go to confession. Let's begin cleaning house so that we can be ready to welcome a most special guest at Christmas. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro. Welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. First off, we have two winners. Carolyn Giganti of Niagara Falls, Ontario, and Bertha Neuenhaus of Ottawa, Ontario. Carolyn Giganti won a copy of Rebecca Rubion's Christmas Lights, and Bertha Neuenhaus won a copy of Simonetta's album Ineffable. Remember that it's really easy to win a prize. All you have to do is visit our Facebook page, like our posts, post your own comments, and share our posts. You can also reach out to me through Facebook or on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro. If you prefer, you can also sign up at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, for a chance to win our weekly prizes. Today, Sister Marie Paul Curley returns to talk about an unlikely film for Advent. That's in about 15 minutes, just after our news and Andrew's Saint of the Week. In our second half hour, we'll be speaking with Jerry Gallopo of the J.S. Pollock Company and World Library Publications. As well as being the chief publishing officer, Jerry is an accomplished composer and author in his own right. So we're looking forward to speaking with him about the world of Catholic publishing. That's in about half an hour. And after that, I'm very excited to be speaking with beloved liturgical composer Dan Schutte. You may not recognize his name, but surely you recognize some of the songs he's written. Because you've been singing them at Mass. Behold the wood, city of God, glory and praise to our God. Sing a new song, though the mountains may fall. You are near, 
and Here I Am, Lord. As a liturgical musician, I've played Dan's songs many, many times. I grew up with his music, and so I'm very excited to be speaking with him today. He has just published a little prayer book for Advent and Christmas titled God With Us. The book includes a CD, and so we'll be playing some Advent songs from that CD today. Let's begin with Beyond the Moon and Stars. You'll recognize the tune, I'm sure, from Dan Schutte's God With Us. Thank you. 
That was Dan Schutte with Beyond the Moon and Stars from God With Us. And if you think that that tune is familiar, you're right, because it's from Dan Schutte's other song that I'm sure a lot of you know, Before the Sun Burned Bright. And we're going to be speaking with Dan Schutte in our second half hour. And in about 10 minutes, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first... Alicia is here. You're a musician. You must recognize all these Dan Schutte songs. I really, I don't <laughs> yeah. recognize those two, but I know the name. Yes. And yes. I know all the other ones that, yes. that oh, we used to yeah. sing. City of God and all that. Oh, anyway, yes. Yes. Childhood favorite. So uh, the Holy Father was uh, in Turkey. Lots going on. Yes. Quick update. Quick update. Well, to sum it up, he visited all the religious sites in Istanbul, in Ankara. He met with the government officials. I think the most iconic moment was when he actually asked the Patriarch Bartholomew mm-hmm. to bless not just him as a person, but bless him yeah, and the whole church. And there's this beautiful photo of the Patriarch kissing the top kissing of the Pope's his, yes. head, which is apparently... Um, it's part of the blessing. Like, that's how the patriarch blesses his uh-huh. priests. Okay. So very symbolic. Yeah. Very symbolic. And it just shows the deep, deep friendship and the fact that these two men really want to continue yes. on the path to unity. Yes. But there were some other things mm-hmm. going on in other parts of the church around the world. Um, Cardinal Joseph Zen. Yes, Hong Kong. Yes, retired Archbishop of Hong Kong. He is now 82 years old. He was really at the forefront of the Occupy Central movement. In Hong Kong. So for those who don't know what that was, basically Hong Kong gets to elect its executive committee. However, um, it's not universal suffrage. And when the central government in Beijing did propose to allow universal suffrage, all of the candidates were going to be pre-selected by the central government. So Occupy Central was a peaceful protest movement pushing for full democratic Mm -hmm. universal suffrage in Hong Kong. And Cardinal Zen was right at the front. Now, things got complicated and police got involved and violence broke out in different places. Mm -hmm. So Cardinal Zen and the three leaders of Occupy Central turned themselves into police on Wednesday. And, you know, this had us on tenderhooks because what are they going to do with an 82-year-old cardinal? Mm -hmm. Will they arrest him? He was in the police station for about an hour, he and the other three um, leaders, and they filled out a form. They were severely reprimanded they were warned yes. not to protest and let go and as cardinal zen was leaving the police station he just he asked people to pray for democracy in hong kong right so he's still going strong 82 years old and he is not holding any punches no, no. yeah now at the vatican um you may recall archbishop former archbishop now uh, joseph wasilowski uh-huh. he was the nuncio to the Dominican Republic, allegedly involved in sex abuse against boys in the Dominican Republic. He was recalled to the Vatican, and there is currently a criminal trial going on at the Vatican against him. Really? So, first thing to mention is that because he was a diplomat when the alleged abuse occurred, Mm -hmm. no other country had jurisdiction to try him. Okay. So this is not the Vatican trying to protect one of their own. This is the Vatican following international law. Right. But what happened this week, the chief prosecutor from the Dominican Republic met with the chief prosecutor at the Vatican. Uh-huh. And after that meeting, he came out and said that he is confident that Wesolowski will be sanctioned mm-hmm. if you know, if it's proven that he did this, he will be sanctioned. And he also said that, you know what, 
the Vatican was the right place to try him. It was the right place for this to happen. Mm-hmm. He also revealed, though, that the Dominican Republic gave the Holy See all the evidence they needed to go ahead with the case. Right. So the former archbishop is now under house arrest, basically. He has been given some freedom within Vatican walls. He's allowed mm-hmm. to walk around within Vatican mm-hmm. City, but he cannot communicate outside the walls. Right. So that is one issue we are keeping our eyes on. And just quickly as we wrap up, yes. Cardinal Pell, as we all yes. know, is reforming Vatican finances. Uh-huh. And in an article that came out in um, the British magazine Catholic Herald, yeah. he revealed that he uncovered hundreds of millions of euros that were not on the official books of the Vatican. Really? Because all the departments had different bank accounts mm-hmm. and they did their own accounting mm-hmm. according to the norms of whenever their mm-hmm. department was established. Mm-hmm. So that is one interesting piece of revelation and it shows how far he's pushing oh, to yeah. modernize finances. Absolutely, and I'm sure he'll continue pushing. We'll hear more of that. Yes, we will. Thank you very much, Alicia. Alicia Ambrosio, our news producer. Be sure to watch Alicia every week on Vatican Connections. Watch on demand at saltandlighttv.org and you can follow her at Vatican Connections. Hi, this is Jason Everett from chastityproject.com and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find me at deaconpedro.com and also on Facebook. Search for Deacon Pedro and my Twitter handle is at deaconpedrogm. And now it's time for Saint of the Week with Andrew Santo. Deacon Pedro, how are you? I am good. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, question, are you? when are you getting a Instagram handle? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think you need to jump on that. No, I don't know. Uh, I to all of our listeners and viewers out there, if you want Deacon Pedro to have a Instagram handle, <laughs> tweet at him. Yeah, or send, send me a him tweet. Mail. Yeah, exactly. We'll see about that. You have the Facebook. You've got the Twitter. You just need one more. You need Instagram. All right. Anyway. All right. So who's our saint today? Uh, we're just continuing with our uh, with our Advent saints in the preparation for Christmas. Yes. So I was thinking today we would look at John Damascene, uh-huh. St. John Damascene, yes. as well as St. Lucy. Okay, good. Okay? Yeah. So um, John Damascene um, was known to say that the one who seeks God continually will find him, mm-hmm. for God is in everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I tell that to our students very often, you know, um, we don't have to go out very far to find him because God is alive, God is present, yeah. and John Damascene says that God is in everything. So um, it's this Advent saint um, that we look to who, um, who really helps us to look deeper at religious art. Um, in a uh-huh. period of church history when uh, others wanted to kind of forbid the use of images, John Damascene insisted that they could be used to inspire us. So, you know, every time you kind of walk into a Catholic church, you know, you've got um, statues and you've got images, and that help us. That really helps us to remind um, us of them in, in, their, in their history, in their place in the church, right. and it really helps us to point us toward God. So mm-hmm. it was John Damascene who really, really insisted that um, images, uh, both statues and photographs, can uh, help to inspire us. Right. So he suffered for his convictions, but now um, really we need to thank him because um, where would we be really at Christmas time without our uh, mm-hmm. without our treasure of religious art? Yeah, so I think you know as we start getting those Christmas cards in the mail, um, you know not many people send Christmas cards. I still do, but yes, um, I think you know as the cards start coming in the mail, I think we need to take time to look at Mary and yeah. the Christ Child in those cards, and thank God for clear thinkers like John Damascene. Okay, um, his feast day was just a few days ago, it was December the 4th, uh-huh. and just looking at his life a little bit more um, uh, more in depth, 
Uh, he spent most of his life in a monastery near Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and all of his life was under Muslim rule. Oh, wow. So he was born in Damascus, which is present-day Syria, mm-hmm. and he received a classical and theological education, yeah. and followed his father in a government position under the Arabs. Mm-hmm. So after a few years, he resigned, and he went to the monastery of St. Sabbath. So he was uh, he was a thinker he was a thinker he was a forward thinker and he is definitely known for his writings, um, and uh, you know we look to him in this Advent season uh, especially as we we come to look at images of the Christ Child. Right. Okay. So, so Saint John Damascene, December the fourth, two days ago. Yeah. And? Um, he's one of our one of our saints. Yes. Um, other than that, we have Saint Lucy. Um, okay. Not many people know Saint Lucy's story, but uh, yeah. she was a fourth century martyr. Uh, chose to be a Christian mm-hmm. when being Christian was illegal. So she wanted to give up all of her wealth and devote her life to the poor, but she herself became um, a victim of oppression. And after resisting the advances of a Roman soldier, and she was denounced as a Christian, and she was uh, torturously executed. So when we look at her life, I think she teaches us that life in uh, the light of Jesus Christ is uh, worth devoting your life to. And you know what? It's even worth dying for. Yeah, so good. her feast day in the church um, is Saturday, December the thirteenth, the week from today. Yes. So um, you know, Lucy, when we look at her life, she knew of the heroism of earlier virgin martyrs, mm-hmm. and she remained faithful to their example and to the example of of the carpenter, mm-hmm. of the carpenter whom she knew to be the son of God. So yes. uh, she is the patroness of eyesight, but she's also um, someone that we could look to in our life for. Um, uh, for an example of what it means to, you know, lead a good Christian life. Mm-hmm. Good. St. Lucy, light. St. Lucy, yeah. uh, feast day, December the 13th. And then we have St. John, John Damascene, Damascene, which is uh, December, December the 4th. 4th. Thank you very much. Two good uh, Advent saints, and next week we'll have two more Absolutely. before Christmas. And uh, thank you very much, Andrew. Okay. Have a good week. Our saint expert, Andrew Santos, is youth director at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Markham, Ontario. Hi, I'm Janelle, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour every week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129, on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network, on Holy Family Radio, on the Lamb Catholic Radio, on the Baraga Radio Network, and on the Internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's great to be here. So you have an an unlikely film for Advent, correct? Yes, I do. You know, for me, Advent is often about um, waking up uh, to appreciate the beauty and the sacredness of life. Uh-huh. And <laughs> so I ended up watching, you know, and, and, and at the end of November and December, as we're getting ready for Christmas and all that extra chaos happens, I was thinking about that, and I kind of connected it with the chaos that a mom can have when she has young children. Okay. And uh, so the movie Mom's Night Out uh-huh. came to mind. Um, it's, you know, it's a comedy that offers... Offer some good tidbits about appreciating the beauty of our lives, yes. as well as you know some insights into the beauty of you know motherhood. So, um, for those who haven't seen it, it's about a very overworked, overstressed, exhausted mother of three little ones who's at the end of a rope, yeah. who finally arranges to have a night out with two other stressed-out moms, yeah. um, including her pastor's wife. But everything goes wrong, of course, from the res- restaurant reservations falling through to 
a child going missing, yes. um, to a car chase to recover a supposedly stolen minivan. Um, so it's completely, um, it's got, uh, it stars Sarah Drew, Sean Astin, and Patricia Heaton. So yep. you can expect an over-the-top comedy. Um, but it does have some very solid acting and writing, and it's not your typical preachy Christian film. It's no. more the unspoken assumptions in the film that make it so refreshingly wholesome and Christian and, and definitely family-friendly. Uh, Mom's Night Out does have some flaws. Uh, the crazy comedy moments kind of go too far for my personal taste. Uh, yeah. They were so ridiculous, I, I just couldn't believe them after a certain point. And, you know, every single mom kind of lost her rationality. And while I'm sure that happens to mothers, <laughs> yes. um, I, at the same time, it, it didn't necessarily express the beauty of motherhood in those moments. So, um, But on the positive side... You know, there were a number of laugh-out-loud moments, some very solid acting and uh, a strong and loving on-screen marriage, yes. as well as a couple of scenes that really touch, can really touch you deeply. So it's fun, it explores motherhood, reinforces family and gospel values, um, and in choosing the point of view of a young, stressed-out mother with three young children, I think the filmmakers chose to address some of the real fears that young women worry about when they consider getting married and having children. Yeah. So, you know, a comedy like this isn't meant to be profound, but it does give us a few moments that are deeply moving and well worth reflecting on. Excellent. Good. And it's a good movie for the whole family. And a side note, I have two boys, 15 and 18 years old, and they loved it. So it's not just for little kids, or, or they thought it was great. So you wanted to also tell us, uh, sister, about a new documentary. Sorry, it's not a document, a reality series that's it's out about discernment. Yeah, tell us it's about a reality that. TV show, and it's it's quite unexpected. Uh, Lifetime is broadcasting a series uh, started November twenty fifth, mm-hmm. and it's called The Sisterhood: Becoming Nuns. And it uses the reality TV format to follow five young women who want to discern their vocations to religious life. And so they go on a six-week visit to three convents. Interesting. So it is. It's interesting. And it's marvelous um, uh, that there's such a positive portrayal of religious life broadcasting on primetime at the very beginning of the year of consecrated life. Which yes. starts, you know, the first week of Advent this year. Yes. Um, it runs till February 2nd, 2016. So there were a lot of moments in the show. A bunch of our sisters, you know, we work with the media, so a bunch of our sisters stayed up and watched it and tweeted about it. And yeah. we... There were parts that we definitely loved, especially the portrayal of the actual sisters. Mm-hmm. They chose, they, they got some really good clips of real, authentic, and fascinating sisters to talk about their life. And uh, it was really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to give kudos to Lifetime for trying to do a, such a challenging series, you know, to do a spiritual journey on television. Yeah, difficult. Um, having said that, though, I think that the reality TV show format has some limitations with regard to portraying an interior journey like this. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I've, I'm, I'm going to be blogging about it because it can be a bit confused. While it's a good portrayal of religious life, per se, I think it can misrepresent, misrepresent discerning religious life. Yes. Um, because that's an interior journey, and they're kind of structuring it within a six-week live-in where the young women aren't really prepared. And so I, I think it's got some limitations, um, but it should definitely get some good conversations going, and it puts the idea of religious life out there Absolutely. in the mainstream culture, and that's really kind of fun. Absolutely. So. so that's, yeah, that's a good thing, and I'm sure that we'll talk about it more, and you'll be blogging about it. Uh, Mark Matthews just last week t- reminded us that reality TV is not real. Exactly. So that's something to keep in mind. Anyway, that's all the time we 
we have, sister, uh, thank you for uh, thank you for what you do, and uh, have a blessed uh, end of the Advent season and a Merry Christmas. Yes, to you and to all the viewers as well. Sister Marie Paul Curley is a member of the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. You can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com and follow her on Twitter at Sister M. Paul. Hi, this is Michael Paul from the Jacob and Matthew Band. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You know you can always find me either on Facebook or Twitter, Deacon Pedro. I love hearing from you, so write to me and tell me where you're listening from. And if you are in our broadcasting area, be sure to tune in Sunday night for an all-new Witness program with Father Thomas Rosica. This week, Father Tom Rosica speaks with Cardinal Pietro Parolin, the Secretary of State of the Vatican. That's Sunday, December 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you miss it, you can also watch this interview and all Witness interviews on demand at saltandlighttv.org slash witness. And on Tuesday, be sure to tune in for Real Faith with David DeSerto and Stephen Gradenus at 8 p.m., followed by the great pro-life show Facing Life Head-On with Brad Mattis at 8.30 p.m. And then Father Bob Reed and Jay McFadden of Boston Catholic TV are on this is the day at 9 p.m. Eastern. If you are outside our broadcast area, you can watch Salt and Light TV streaming live at saltandlighttv.org and also now on Roku. And in honor of the new liturgical calendar year, Salt and Light is thrilled to offer all our faithful supporters 30% off on most of our online store products. Don't miss out on this great offer and get your copy of our latest releases, including The Church Alive, The Francis Effect, Finding St. Anthony, Living Stones, and much, much more. And three years ago, we spoke with Father Rosica about his book, Words Made Flesh, Scripture Reflections for Year B. Well, we're back on Year B, so this is an excellent resource for everyone who wants to prepare better with the Sunday readings. So remember, 30% off most items on our website. Use the discount code XMAS, X-M-A-S, Three zero X M A S three zero, and that will get you a thirty percent discount on most items on our website. And this offer is valid until my birthday, actually January thirty first, twenty fifteen. So offer valid until January thirty first. Coming up in our second half hour, two featured chats with two liturgical music greats, Jerry Gallopo of World Library Publications and Dan Schuette. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Most of us are not thinking about Catholic publishing. If we like to read, we buy books at the bookstore. If we want to nourish our faith or read something specific about Catholicism, we may look for it online or we may go to the local Catholic bookstore. We also sing songs at Mass, but most of us are not thinking about everything that goes on behind the scenes to make sure that these books and songs get published. And one of the largest Catholic publishers in the world is the Chicago-based J.S. Pollock Company, and their music and liturgical division is World Library Publications. The chief publishing officer is Jerry Gallopo, who is also an accomplished liturgist, author, and composer in his own right. And so I'm very happy to be joined now by Jerry Gallopo. Jerry, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. 
Thank you so much. So, J.S. Pollock, tell us tell us a, a little bit of the history of, of the of the company. Well, J.S. Pollock was founded by the Pollock family in 1913. So, we've been serving the church for over a hundred years. Basically, it, it began as a a, a small press uh, that. Uh, that was printing uh, newsletters and things like that mm-hmm. for uh, for parishes as as the needs grew. We have the original printing press actually here in our plant in Chicago. Really, it's very interesting to see that. But over the years, uh, certainly expanded and developed into the largest uh, Catholic bulletin publishing company uh, really? in the United States, and has a, a couple of divisions that uh, that including World Library Publications, which is the music and liturgy division of J.S. Pollock. So let me let me go back then. So the largest bulletin... Pu- so uh, at Sunday, we get the bulletin that's got all the announcements. You publish that for parishes all across the United States. Yes, about 3,500 parishes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and coordinating all the individual local advertisers? Because they have local advertisers. Yes, it's the, the revenue from the advertising uh, that actually is what keeps the company going, and we do uh, revenue sharing with the parishes. Uh-huh. Uh, when, the, when those ad pages in the back fill up, we are part of our contract with parishes that, is that we share that revenue with them, so it's a win-win for everyone. So, okay, so, but you also publish books. Right, World Library Publications is really the, the, the publishing arm of the J.S. Pollock Company. So here at World Library, our mission is to serve the needs of the singing praying and initiating church. So uh-huh. it's music, prayer and art resources, and resources for the RCIA. Okay, so it's not Catholic novels. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, nothing against Catholic novels. So you're, so resources for RCIA, for example, for yes. catechesis, catechetical, or, or prayer? Yeah, yeah most, mostly directed to the, to the liturgical aspect of the RCIA. And we're one of the three large music publishers, Catholic music publishers in the United States as well. Right. So, so, and the music is specifically liturgical music, or you because you also publish other artists who are composing. Right. Specifically, music for the liturgy, or music for prayer gatherings, music for uh, young adult or youth nights. Um, you know, not not every piece that we publish is uh, designed to be sung at the liturgy, but right. for the most part. Uh, that's what kind of our focus is for the for the singing church and the praying church. Okay, so just to make sure I have it right, so J.S. Pollock is the part that does the bulletins, right? And then World Library Publications does everything else. You got it. And we also have a, a calendar division, uh-huh. uh, Catholic calendars, a stewardship calendar, a scenic calendar for parishes that kind of give those out to their parishioners on the really? you know, around the first of the year. And then, of course, we have our vocations division as uh-huh. well. Okay, and I and I've been I've been to your headquarters there in Chicago, and I just want you to tell our listeners about your warehouse because it's it's like IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of amazing because I think there are um, the, the warehouse consists of many many printing presses because yes. we're actually we have three uh, plants around the country. We're printing uh, I think about fifteen or sixteen hundred weekly parish bulletins here in that plant, but also that plant is the warehouse for all of World Library publications, CDs, <clears throat> musical octavos, music books, art books, all of our books. That's where our inventory is. So it's just a kind of a massive place back there. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it's, it's phenomenal. It, it's, it's a very exciting, lots of energy there. Yeah. So you said your mission is, is to, uh, to assist or the, the praying, singing, and initiating church. church. Beautiful. Um, I love that. Um, 
Uh, you, Mr. Jerry Gallopo, you, yep. you, you, how did you, how does one end up being a, a liturgist? Since <laughs> I was a kid, I just was, I've been really? fascinated with, uh, with what goes on in church, basically. I started as a church musician when I was in fifth grade. I've uh-huh. studied piano and organ my whole life. And, uh-huh. You know, as a little nine-year-old kid, I'd leave the house on Holy Thursday night and go to church by myself. And <laughs> yeah was just kind of fascinated with the bells and the smells and the flowers and the processions. and right. it, Yeah, kind of a weird little kid, I think, but um, there was just something about it that just got me. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I, I actually studied for the priesthood in Boston, Massachusetts for quite a while, I was yeah. never ordained, but yeah. I made sure that a lot of the electives that I took were in liturgy and uh, just kind of have... have um, really loved the celebration, the preparation for and reflection on the liturgy my whole life. Mm-hmm. And when did you start composing? I started composing uh, probably about 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, m- most of what I do in composition is when someone asks for something right. specific, for a funeral or for something, uh-huh. I do that. I don't consider myself a great composer. It's just <laughs> kind of an as-need basis. Right, B- but you are specifically a liturgical composer. Yes. So you're not writing songs for, for, like, the beach? No. Maybe you should try that. No. Yeah, <laughs> if I could bring any warmth here, that would be great. Exactly. Yes, Chicago. Yes. So on a need basis, so I'm, request, I'm going to request a song for my summer barbecue. Um, how, how did you, because, uh, so RCIA initiation, uh, I w- can I say that that's also an area of expertise for you? Yes, that would, that would be the largest area of expertise. When I left the seminary, I, I, I moved to Florida and was director of liturgy and music at a couple of large parishes there that had wonderful RCIA programs, very large, you know, in, initiating lots of people, mm-hmm. got on the, the RCIA teams in those parishes, and then got connected with the North American Forum on the Catechumenate, uh-huh. whose mission it was was to implement the RCIA in the United States and Canada, and began traveling, giving workshops throughout the U.S. and Canada, uh, on the RCIA, training people who were implementing uh, the catechumenate in their parishes. And that it just has become and continues to remain a huge passion for me. And when I came to World Library, I um, started a series called the Fountain of Life series, which mm-hmm. is a series of books and resources for RCIA teams. Uh, and it, some of it has been translated into Spanish. So we're really, again, trying to serve the needs of the initiating church. That's where that segment comes in. So you... So sorry, and just to go back to to the training, because you still do the workshops, you still go around. Yes, yes. You're training people in parishes who are the catechists for the catechists, RCIA. The people who are doing breaking open of the word, if there are dismissals yeah. of catechumens yes. in the parish, just kind of an overall uh, approach. And I think my own um, passion, especially with some of the writing I've done, is to try to help people see the RCIA kind of envision in the same vision as the Second Vatican Council did, which uh-huh. called the RCIA not a mere exposition of dogmatic truths and norms of morality, but an apprenticeship, a training in the whole Christian life. See, I, and I'm a musician, so I think, and a, and a deacon, so I, I understand the, the love and passion for the liturgy. I don't understand the passion for RCIA. Why, why do you think you have a passion for that? Where does that come from? I think where it comes from is, um, and, I, and I think it's, it's, it's deeply personal, yeah. as a Roman Catholic, when I see uh, people who are coming to faith for the first time, who are seeking something that they can't find uh, 
out there in the society, which right. pushes me, me, me all the time. When I see faith awakened in another human being and actually see the Lord be born in their hearts, it's something that is a constant reminder to me that my own conversion and my own uh, relationship with the Lord needs to be strengthened and renewed all the time. Do you see uh, Pope Francis's, I guess, renewal of the call to make disciples, missionary disciples, uh, directly related to the work that we do as catechists initiating people to baptism? Absolutely, and I've been asking that question in my travels in the past year. Uh You know, the the so-called Francis effect, has that had anything to do with uh, your own initiation ministry? I was in Louisiana a couple Mm -hmm. of months ago, and they said of the 17 people who have begun inquiring about the faith in their parish, three of them were there because of Pope Francis. Interesting, interesting. Yep. And uh, not, you know, not only that, I think it, the, the, the Pope has just been a tremendous, um, with the call to evangelization and call to make disciples, I think it's really given a nice boost to people who may have been in initiation for a long time mm-hmm. and maybe losing some of that fervor. Yes, absolutely, yeah, kind of like a refocus. Yep. Absolutely. I'm going to I'm going to have to look up <laughs> look up all your resources and and for my my own parish. Um this is great Jerry. I, it's all the time we have but it's been it's been really good meeting you, working with you and and having you on the program today. Um, I'm here Deacon Pedro. This has been a real honor for me. Thank you for what you do. Okay. Jerry Gallopo is Vice President and Chief Publishing Officer for the J.S. Pollock Company and its Music and Liturgy Division, World Library Publications. Jerry is a popular parish mission presenter and retreat leader, author, and composer. His latest book, Apprenticed to Christ, Activities for Practicing the Catholic Way of Life, and most of his books, including the series he mentioned, Fountain of Life, are published by World Library Publications. You can learn more at wlpmusic.com Here now is our featured artist of the week, Dan Schutte with God With Us from the prayer collection of the same name. When the winter's darkness cast its gloom upon the earth and summer's
was Dan Schutte with God With Us from his Advent and Christmas prayer book, God With Us. Now, I could give you a whole biography, but maybe I'll just tell you some of the songs he's written. Before the Sun Burn Bright, Behold the Wood, Blessed Be the Lord, City of God, Glory and Praise to Our God, Jesus Christ is Risen Today, Only This I Want, 
sing a new song, Table of Plenty, Though the Mountains May Fall, Valleys of Green, What You Hear in the Dark, You Are Near, and Here I Am, Lord. We've been singing them for over 30 years. Dan Schutte is one of the St. Louis Jesuits, and I'm very excited to welcome, welcome him to the Salt and Light Hour today. Dan Schutte, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here with you. It's it's a great honor, um, and I have so many questions to ask you. But maybe how did how did this all begin? How did it all begin? Well, it, it <laughs> began. Um, the music part began in my childhood. Yes. Um, neither my parents were musical, but I had, I had grandparents on both sides of the family that were, and I think I probably got those genes. Uh-huh. So I I was I was a lover of music from very early childhood memories. Mm-hmm. That part of me was was luckily and gracefully nurtured over the years by the Catholic sisters who taught me in grade school, and then by the right. Jesuits in right. high school. Right. Um, the when I was in college, so right after high school, I entered the the Jesuit seminary mm-hmm. and. Uh, I was blessed to have both peers who loved music and also professors mm-hmm. um, who nurtured that in us. I Many people think that the St. Louis Jesuits, uh, that whole venture was something that the five of us sat down and planned one day, and that was not the case uh-huh. at all. We were, we were seminarians, and we played music for Mass, and we were inspired by both by our Jesuit Ignatius, Ignatian um, spirituality mm-hmm. to begin writing music from Scripture, which is what we did. And the response of people was so amazing and uh, that it encouraged us to keep on doing that. We, right. never, went, we, we never went looking for a publisher. A no. publisher heard about us yeah. through the grapevine and uh, wrote and said, if you... If you guys ever would be interested in having your music published, we'd be happy to talk to you about it. Yeah. No. So it was, it was all along the way very much uh, a work that God uh, yeah. did in us and through us rather than something that something we planned. set out to do. Yeah. Now, l- let me just uh, back up a little bit. You, uh, th- This was in the late 60s, so the, the, you, yes, when you were writing music... Six- when you were writing music at the seminary, you weren't specifically writing music for mass. Was the new translation? Sorry, the new liturgy. Um, well, this it, was, it, it was. It was around the same we time. We were writing for the the renewal of the liturgy that happened with the Second Vatican okay. Council. So, so, so uh, that those uh, those new English texts were were out and about, and um, so those are the texts that we wrote. For mass parts, and then of course using scripture for other hymns uh-huh. and songs. Now you're a guitar player mainly. Do you play any other instruments? You know, I began with guitar, uh-huh. but I've always loved piano, and over the years, I've I've learned to do that. Took lessons at a couple different points. I'm not a terrific pianist by any means, but I can play my own music. And when I do my my evenings of music and reflection, I play both piano and guitar and right. sing. Do you do you th- were you influenced very much by the folk music of the sixties? Oh, very much. Yes, sure. The y- pe- you know, people like Simon and Garfunkel, uh-huh. Peter Paul and Mary, and 
the, the popular ones at that time, Gordon Lightfoot, were all right. influences on me and my, my fellow Jesuits. Yeah. Now, the other St. Louis Jesuits, John Foley, Bob Dufford, Rock O'Connor, and Tim Mannion, what, what happened to them? Are they... They're 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 all alive. Yes, and and still kicking. Um, <laughs> they they're all involved in various works. Uh, John Foley's at St. Louis University. Rock just Rock O'Connor just got a new assignment at a at a Jesuit parish in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Tim lives with his wife in the Seattle, Washington area. Right. And um, Bob oh, Dufford wow. is at a Jesuit retreat house in Iowa. Nice, nice. So you guys still uh, keep in touch? Uh, we do. We do a bit. Not not a lot. Um, our lives keep us busy doing other things. But it, in 2005, uh, we celebrated mm-hmm. the 30th anniversary of yes, our venture together and did a new recording for that yes. and did a bit of, of travel with some some anniversary events so we've we've been we do maybe one a year mm-hmm. now you uh you go around you do workshops you're still writing music you're 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 writing books um is that sort of what's keeping you busy most of the time yes yes it, and it keeps me very busy yes i'm sure <laughs> i'm uh, I'm actually right in, in the process of working on a book, which would be sort of the the, the counterpart to the Advent Christmas book. Uh-huh. I'm doing a new one for Lent and Easter season. Oh, good. And we can talk about that. So it'd be, yeah. it would be exactly the same format as the God With Us book. Okay, so let, let's talk about that. And so I have this book in my hand. It's a prayer book for Advent and Christmas, and it has... I guess a little reflection and songs to go with it, this reflection. How do you hope that people can use this book? Well, I, you know, I wrote the book for those people who sit in the pews on Sundays. Many of them don't have an opportunity to go on a on a retreat, you know, to leave their mm-hmm. families and so forth. Um, they're much too busy for that. So I wanted to offer a prayer book for the person in the pew who wanted to give a little bit more prayer time to Advent and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a wonderful time of year, and so, I, and I, I also know that many of them are helped by having music to pray with. Yes. Sometimes, you know, we can't always find that place of prayer within ourselves without some help, so... The, the songs and the music, I found, help many people to enter into that prayerful place. Yeah. So it's a wonderful marriage of the music with reflections and scripture and so forth. And, and the photographs as well um, yes. are, are also, an, I guess, for some people, an, entry, an entryway into, into that deeper prayer experience. Right. Um, it's all about capturing people's imagination and the song does that in one way, mm-hmm. the scripture does it in another way, and the photographs hopefully do it in another way to people who are, are more visual. I'm, I'm a very visual person are and, you? and yeah. do graphic arts in addition to the music piece. Right. So having beautiful photographs like that helped me to enter into that place of prayer. Yeah. Now, one of the things I like about the book, because when I first saw it, I thought, oh, great, something I can do, a little reflection for every day of Advent. And of course, there isn't one for every day of Advent. There are 12 reflections. Um, And 
even though, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but could I say that sort of the first couple ones are more Advent and the later ones are more Christmas? Because I find that any of them yeah. could work for both sometimes. Right. The, the, almost the first half. I think, I think there's a place where it becomes, all of a sudden you notice it becomes obviously Christmas and about the Christmas story. Yes. The, the scripture reading kind of takes you to that place. Right. So that the piece, the reflections before that would be Advent season, and and after that would be Christmas. Mm-hmm. Good. So it's a great uh, a resource, I guess. I hate to call books like these resources. Sounds so academic, but it's a great companion to uh, to to our Advent and Christmas journeys as we pray. Whether whether you want to spend some time just before Mass reading it, or while you're driving with the CD or I guess in your quiet prayer time at night or in the morning at home, it's, uh, yeah. I, I think a lot, of people, yeah. a lot of people find that they need uh, direction, direction in their prayer. Yeah. Um, That's exactly what I intended. And, the, and the, one of the reasons why I didn't write a reflection for every day is that I know not everybody finds the time every day mm-hmm. to set aside for a long reflection. The other piece comes from my Ignatian spirituality where... Ignatius, in his spiritual exercises, um, invites a person to stay with a particular prayer re- yes. or reflection as long as it gives grace and blessing. Yes. And only then do you move on. So I didn't want to fill the book with too many pieces. Yes. I wanted people to spend time on each one of them. Yeah, no, and that's what's beautiful about this, that you might do you know, ref- the third one one day, and then two weeks later you might come back to the third one. Um, yes, exactly. It, it's beautiful, and it is a beautiful little book, and and uh, so I encourage all, all our listeners to go look it up. God with us, a prayer book for Advent and Christmas, with a companion music CD by Dan Schutte. Dan, it's been a great pleasure. I wish we had more time, and and maybe now it's an opportunity to that we've spoken. Maybe bring you back when the Lenten version is out, and we can talk about Lent. Um, thank you for. Sure, I would love to. Thank you for the honor of being with you. Yes, I think I can speak on behalf of all our listeners. Uh, thank you for all the work you've done for the church. You're very welcome. You can learn more about Dan Schutte, find out how to bring him to your parish for one of his workshops at his website, danschutte.com. All his songs and books are published by Oregon Catholic Press. You can learn more at ocp.org. Here now is Dan Schutte with an Advent song that I'm sure. Uh, most of you will recognize Let the Valleys Be Raised from God With Us. Let the valleys be raised And the mountains made low Every meadow and field overturn Make the pathway straight And the highway run smooth For the coming of God in our day God, you come to your people As you promised of old You have raised up a Savior In the sight of us all Yeah. Hey.
We're listening to Dan Schutte with Let the Valleys Be Raised from his collection, God With Us. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can now listen to uninterrupted music all day long on our four online Salt and Light radio stations, which are made possible thanks to the wonderful support from artists and publishers like World Library Publications and Oregon Catholic Press. We have just added Salt and Light Radio 5, dedicated to music for Advent and Christmas. So go to our website and learn how you can listen to online or on the go on your mobile devices. And while you're on that website, remember that from now until January 31st, we're offering a 30% discount on most of our products on that website. Just use the discount code XMAS30, Christmas 30. And remember, you can always reach me through Facebook or Twitter, Deacon Pedro. Let me know what you think of what you hear on this show. Next week is our last regular show before the Christmas and New Year's specials. And we're going to be speaking about a very serious topic, the topic of pornography with Peter Keleponis. And also, music from the boys of St. Paul's Choir School. So you don't want to miss next week. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. This program is completely free thanks to donations. So thank you for considering us when you're making your charitable contributions. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. <laughs>